Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. Um, last Sunday, I started to talk to you about, about um, the economy of man. The Bible says in the book of 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, that I wish above all things that you prosper, and being good health, even as your soul prospers. So say after me, my soul prospers. I prosper. I am in good health. Alright, so the Bible says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So I, I explain to you that in as much as you grow in the things of the Spirit, you grow um, in your faith. God wants you to make money. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to be rich. Can you look at your neighbor and say, God wants you to be rich? Do you know why he wants you to be rich? The reason is simple. Because he wants you to lend to nations. You're going to borrow to nations. You will propagate the gospel, the kingdom of God with your money. When we call for people to give money in church... We call for people to support the work of God. You'll be one of them who will give one million naira. You'll be one of them who will give one million dollars. You'll be one of those who would sow millions of naira, millions of dollars to the work of God. Amen. Amen. You have to expand your mind because um, God says, I am he who gives you power to make wealth. Praise the Lord. So whatever you do is a means to an end. Whatever you do is a means to an end. Whatever you do is a means to an end. Your job is not the end. Your job is a means to an end. Your work is not the end. Your work is a means to an end. Amen. The end is the kingdom and its expansion. Praise the Lord. So we started to describe um, um, the creation and the various economies that were at play in the creation. In the book of Genesis, the first two chapters of Genesis, we expressed all of that. And we said the first dimension of economy is the economy of creation. Or the economy of, I mean, the economy of nature, rather. The economy of nature. And I described to you how God created all the things that he made um, on the earth, he, uh, he made the sun, he made the air, the waters, he made the firmaments, he, he made um, the raw materials that you have um, 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 embedded in the earth. He made all those things. Those things are raw materials. And he also created, um, and he also made another economy, which is the economy of man. Now, after God created the heavens and the earth and made the place comfortable for man to dwell in, he, he called man, I mean, he called um the counsel of himself, and he said, let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the face of the earth. And then God created man. And the next economy is the economy of man. And we said that because man is like God, man has the creativity as God. So man can create, man can initiate, he has the ingenuity of God, so man can do what God did. Amen. And then the next dimension of economy we described is the economy of what? Evaluation. Evaluation. The economy of evaluation. Which says that we have to recognize all that we have. Talking to you as a person now, you have to recognize all you have 
so that you demand the value of what you have. If not, if you don't recognize your value, you don't recognize what you're worth, you will sell yourself cheap. And people will buy you cheap. Because the amount or the degree to which you sell yourself is the degree to which others will buy you. So when God created everything, he began to applaud himself. And he said, everything that I have created is good. That's what God did. That's the economy of evaluation. Everything that I have created is good. And the Bible says that he also um, 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 created the, um, the birds of the air, the animals, the, the, the trees. Uh, he created man on the sixth day. And then on the seventh day, he blessed the seventh day and he rested. So the fourth dimension of economy is the economy of what? Of rest. So the first one is the economy of nature. The second one is the economy of man. The third is the economy of evaluation. And the fourth is the economy of rest. On the, four, on the seventh day, God rested. The economy of rest says that while you have built an economy for yourself, or you've built a solid business for yourself, there should come to a point where you have ceased from working, just like God ceased from working, but your work continues to go on. So your work is working for you. You understand what I'm saying? So the um, economy of rest is where the economy begins to work for you in turn. After many years of establishing structure and many years of establishing um, 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 a foundation or a basis for which your, your, your business will run. Amen. Um, I, I have been compelled to talk about this because we have a lot of great gifts in the house. You know, we have a lot of talents in the house. We have people who are gifted. But the truth is you can be talented and be hungry. You can be blessed by God, spiritually endowed and naturally endowed, but hungry and not be able to make money and the reason is because you don't understand economics or the art of management you must be able to manage what you have many of us are a disappointment in proportion to what we are endowed with by God do you understand what I'm saying you are too gifted to be poor you are too loaded to be poor you are too loaded to be hungry so this discussion is to bring you into the awareness of turning your natural giftings into um, um, exchanging value and building an economy for yourself. So that at the end of the day, you will be boldly um, capacitated to lend to nations. Because if you are going to borrow to nations, nations run economies. And if you don't run an economy yourself, you can't borrow nations. You can't borrow the nations. Amen. God doesn't want you to have small money. He wants you to have big time money. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm getting just, you know, a few amens. Are there doubts in this house? God wants you to have big time money. You understand what I'm saying? Big time money. Big time money. Not the one that barely makes it around you know, meeting your needs and taking care of a family and a few friends. Not that kind of money. A money that can build a city. That's the type God wants you to have. You see, but if you don't understand how to manage, you, will, you, you can accidentally be great 
And you lose it because you lack economy going for yourself. You lack management going for yourself. Praise the Lord. If you see the structure of God in heaven, heaven is organized. Heaven is structured. Heaven is the epitome of order. Heaven. Because God is running the economy of God or the economy of himself. And it's bringing as much as um, 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 the beauty and the splendor of heaven that you can imagine and even beyond what you imagine. So the economy of man is in little zeros compared to the economy of God. And that's why I read to you in the book of Joshua that God told Joshua, if you learn to meditate on the word, you learn to meditate on the scriptures, it says, you will have good success and you will make your way prosperous. So he's talking about an economy that is coming from the word. So you have to go beneath the surface now of the word. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, I would share four things basically with you before I close. So this is um, the evening. I'm going to share four things with you. Number one, to continue from where we stopped last week, I want you to know, put this down. Number one, you must know what you bring to the market. You must understand your value. You must know what you bring to the market. Hallelujah. You can never make anything profitable unless there is a demand for it. Which means if you have a product or you have a service that you run, you can't make profit from that product if there is no demand from the market for your product. So, the only way you will be profitable in your um, um, economy or business is for you to have a demand from the marketplace for what you have. But you must understand what you bring to the table. There are many gifted house. I mean, there are many gifted people here in the house. Many of you are so gifted, but you don't recognize how gifted you are. You haven't correctly appraised your gift. You haven't seen yourself in positive light and appraised what God has placed inside of you. Many of you despise yourself. You only appraise what you see on the potential level, on the seed level. You don't see the um, fullness of what it can become. So if you properly understand what you bring to the market and you have a demand, you would make profit for yourself. Now, there's something that I said here. I put it down. I said, your product may be great. If the market doesn't know about your product, you, the market will not demand for your product. Because the market is ignorant of your product. The market doesn't know about your product. So, what you need to do now is to be able to create demand from the market. Amen. So, you have a product or you have a service that you want to run. There's something you're gifted with. There's something you know um, will be of value to people and will bring money to you. But people don't know about it. So, nobody's going to demand for it. But you can create that demand. For example, when the cell phone came out, um, your cell phone, 
we didn't know the value of cell phone because we were ignorant of what cell phone could do for us. But when cell phone was brought into the market, there was the creation of the demand for it because the value and the worth of the cell phone was brought to you, marketing. So the question now is, how do you create demands? How do you make a demand? Number one, you market what you have. You market what you have. You market what you have. Once you market what you have, you've got to talk about it. Be, be, be braggadocious about it. Preach about what you have. Because God called you good when he created you. Isn't that so? God said you were good. He looked at your talents. He looked at your gifts. And he said, this is good. People are going to see this and want to have this added to themselves. You see, there is something you can do that nobody can do. And do you know God has placed a lock and key kind of operation for you and this world system or the larger economy that if you express your gifting, there is actually a lock in the marketplace or in your marketplace that only you have the key to. So, um, the market space may not experience your product if you don't come up to the task and present what you have. Can you do me a favor? Look at somebody and say, go to the market with what you have. Look at another person and say, go to the market with what you have. Hallelujah. Talk about your value. Talk about your value. Talk about your value. And can I also advise, if you have a business, don't just sell your business when you're marketing. Sell something that will sell your business. Because what you're going to sell to sell your business is your differentiation. Do you understand that? For example now, um, Richard Branson doesn't sell air tickets. But he, sell, he sells um, fun trips and enjoyable experience when you travel. That's what he sells. Not tickets. You can, you can get cheap tickets by easy go. And then you get, you know what I mean, you get cheap tickets. And you purchase everything on bare cost. So even your hand baggage, you pay for it. The Coca-Cola you have on the flight, you pay for it. Whatever it is you're going to experience or, or do, you're going to pay for it. But if you want to sell your product, don't sell or market your product. Market something that markets your product for you. And that's your differentiation. If you want to sell, if, if I'm going to sell this microphone, I'm not going to sell the microphone. I will sell something that will sell the microphone for me. Probably I make a microphone that is this small and then I give it to uh, marketers to market for me. I am not going to sell microphone. I'm going to sell convenience and size because instead of using this bogus thing 
to preach. Sometimes it gets tiring and you get weary of it. But if you're holding a smaller piece of mic and it's easy for you to preach or to do whatever you want to do, you're not selling microphone, you're selling convenience and size. There's one of us here, um, Dr. Ogo, she makes salads. There is, yeah, 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 I think you should clap. Yeah. Ogo, you're going to pay me for this brief marketing for you. Amen. Now, Ogo is not marketing salads. She's marketing eating healthy. Eating right. That's what she's marketing. So you must find your differentiation. You must find what will work for you and what will pull the market to you so they begin to demand your product. Do you understand that? So sell something other than the product that you are selling. For example, um, you know, ladies, you, we are, we, you ladies, you ladies like to use the very expensive bags, you know, you, you, I'm sure, Oma, can I borrow your bag? Now, you know, what are the various brands of the expensive ones? There's Chanel, there's Hermes, there's what again? What again? Louis Vuitton. <laughs> what again? Yeah. Prado. Is, pra- is Prado expensive? Prado, sorry. Did I say Prado? Really? <laughs> you know, I'm a pastor. I'm a man of God. I don't have time for that. Amen. You know, so you see, when, when they make these kind of bags... The marketers, when they make this kind of bags, um, they have invested so much in their marketing strategy that people of class and people of standard have endorsed their product. So when they are marketing it, um, they are marketing status. So they are not selling bags, but they are selling status. They are selling class. So that's why when you ladies buy all the bags that have um, the various... So let's pretend this is Prada. Hmm? Let's pretend this is Prada. Because, oh, this is a good one. Okay. Anyway, let's say this is Prada. Let's say this is Prada. Let's say this is Prada. A lady buys a Prada bag and in her mind... A Prada bag will cost about $70,000 or thereabout. That expensive. Something that can buy three cars. A handbag. In her mind, she is buying status. It changes everything about her. Even your walking step changes when, you, when you're wearing this. You switch differently. Amen? There is a natural presence you would carry the moment <laughs> you know I have a friend I have a friend one of my old friends the moment she dressed up her English would always change <laughs> she would switch into English thick British English <laughs> but there are some companies that also produce bags okay and the same amount that it costs to produce um, 
the Prada bag is what it cost also to produce the other one. But there has not been enough investment in marketing for the other one. So the prices are different. You see, you must learn the power of marketing. Um, my, my facilitators will speak to us about marketing um, entrepreneurship on Wednesday and also on Sunday because this month is dedicated to building your economy. I want you all to be rich. I said to you this um, the beginning of this year that I want everybody in TSP to be known for something. Let there be something you do that you are known for it. If people are asking, who does fashion? Your name should be the first if that's what you do. If people are asking, who does cake making? Your name should be first. So market what you do. Amen. Go into the marketplace. Hallelujah. So don't sell your product. Thank you. Sell something that will sell your product. Amen. The second thing you can do to create um, a demand is you must you must be willing to develop a brand presence. Develop a brand presence. Now, a brand means a market presence with a market personality and a market perception. That's a brand. A market presence with a market perception. I mean, market personality with a market perception. People already expect something. When they think about your product. There is an experience mentally of excellence. When they think about your product. That's a market perception. And one of the things that we're trying to build here. Is that when you walk into church. Into TSP. You feel free. You feel the atmosphere. You love the warmth. You love the fellowship. The word is real. The music is powerful. That's our brand. One of our brand assets in in church is... Um, audacity. One of our brand assets are the human capital from the pastors to um, the top level of leadership to the bottom level of leadership. Myself, I'm a brand asset. And you are, you are a brand asset. Amen. One of the things we also market to you is our programs. For example, our major, for, let me give this example. Our major um, product or service that we want to show or render to people is to market Christ. Do you understand it? But we're not going to sell Christ just like that. We will sell something that sells Christ. And that's why we organize game. We organize Sunday evening life. Because these experiences take you to our main product, which is Jesus. So, you must be able to find your differentiation. And you must be able to develop a brand. What, what is it people know you for? And what is it people expect from you when they talk about you? You should build that in your market. And it means that your first encounter with 
your customers has to be on fleek. It has to be on point. Because you, you, cannot, you, can, you cannot be careless about people's experience with your brand. You must be ready in and out of season. Do you understand it? Believers, we must wake up and we must take up the responsibility to be consistent in brand delivery. I shouldn't open a bottle of Coca-Cola and be thinking if by mistake I will taste Zobo. You understand what I'm saying? I have a brand perception of Coca-Cola. And I know when I open the can of Coke, there is a taste that I'm expecting to have or experience. So TSP, when, when you, you're in leadership, for example, you, you, are, you are a brand asset that we have. There is a brand experience that when people walk in, they should have. Hallelujah. So, so that's the same thing. When you're creating your business, when you're, you're growing your business, there should be a brand perception of your business in the marketplace. Hallelujah. If I call Pastor Ideal to MC for me, what is it that I will expect? I should have an expectation of something specific that I would experience when he comes to MC for me. If I call Pastor Paul to do a business for me, Pastor Paul's brand should be time, for example. If other printers deliver their, their, their services or their products at later time than when you have agreed with them, Pastor Paul's uniqueness or differentiation, his marketing will be time. I deliver what I say to you on time. Pastor Ideal was explaining this to us the other day. He said that fast foods have lost their meaning. Because you go to a fast food and you have to wait for one hour. That's not a fast food. That's a slow food. <laughs> so there should be a brand perception of what you have to give. It must be clear. I want to experience your... If you fry chicken and I eat your chicken once, I like it, and I make a second order, I want to expect that it will be like the first. But if you are not consistent with your brand, and you are shaky in your brand, you will affect my brand perception as the market person for you. And that's not good for business. Look at your neighbors, they're not good for business. So God says, be fruitful and what? And multiply. To be fruitful, I spoke to you on Sunday that to be fruitful means to take your seed. Your seed. Um, are you ever fruitful on um, let me put it this way. Does a mango tree become fruitful on a guava tree? Can a tree be fruitful on another tree? The fruit of a tree, where does it come from? Talk to me now. From the tree. So if, hmm, this, these are powerful laws. 
If God says, be fruitful, what does it mean? It means he has given you a seed. It means that what you would use to proliferate the earth with and make profit for yourself is inside of you. So, in other words, your wealth is inside you. That's what it means. So, be fruitful. Multiply. <laughs> the second thing I want you to know is, the first thing we said, you must know what you bring to the market. Secondly, um, yeah, that's um, how to create a demand. The second thing is, Know who to partner with. Many of you have businesses, but can I tell you the truth? Your business cannot be effective if you don't partner. Why? Because you don't have all the competences yourself. Yeah? You don't have all it takes to run an effective economy. Okay? So, partnership is key for your business. Know who to partner with. I was talking to Pastor Paul um, day before yesterday and I said to Pastor Paul, one of the first things you must do when you're making a team or you're creating partnership is you must discover who you are. You must understand who you are. That's the first thing. If you want to create a team, if you want to make a team or build a team around you, the first thing you have to do is sit down and ask yourself, who am I? Before you go meeting other people to build a network with. Why? Because if you're going to uh, uh, build a team of people um, and you don't know who you are, you're going to bring in people who will not complement you. So the first step is you must know who you are. When I was starting church, um, excuse me, I, knowing who I am, I'm passionate about the word. I'm passionate about preaching. I have a lot of competence in, you know, teaching. I know. I understand my brand. I recognize what I have. The economy of evaluation, I understand it. I know what I have. And that's the way you should be. You should know what you have. When someone looks at you and say, what do you do? Or what can you do? What would you say? You know, a question was asked that if you were told you would never fail, what is it you would do? If you were told that if you do anything and you would never fail, what is it you're going to do? Or if I give you all the money in the world, what is it you're going to do? Okay, so you must know who you are. So, when I was starting church, I understood that I had some competences, but at the same time, I didn't have some competences. I'm not so blessed with the gift of administration, even though I have a little of it, but it's not my major competence. Usually, your core competence will be surrounded by um, other competences to enhance your core competence. So it's not to say that you may not be able to do some things, but on the level of excellence that you operate on, on your core competence, in other areas, you must partner with people who have those competences. 
So I said to myself, I needed people around me who understand administration. And then when I found Pastor Ideal and Pastor Shola, my problem was sorted out. Because while I go to study to preach, or while I'm in the place of prayers, these guys are my armor bearers and they're taking the heat. They are the ones thinking about how church is going to move in whatever level or whatever dimension we should grow. How the leadership should be structured, how the workforce should be structured. They're thinking about that. So, when you are building a team, understand that your team members or your partners must have two things. Number one, differences. And number two, similarities. When, when I say differences, your team members or your partners in business should not be strong where you are strong and weak where you are weak. Your partners should be strong where you're weak. And if possible, um, you must be strong where they're weak. That's a good partner. Yeah. So, if you're building partnership, you must understand that. That you just can't take anybody. Now, can I tell you that when you bring people into your team to work with you, there is no sentiments in partnership. Partnership is about capacity. I hear what I'm saying. Partnership, this house is too quiet. Are you still here? Yes, sir. Is it entering? Yes, okay. Partnership is about what? Capacity. So the people you're going to partner with must have capacity on the level that you have capacity if not, they will drain you. They will slow you down. One of the greatest areas of partnership is marriage. So I encourage you guys, women, don't marry someone who doesn't have capacity on other levels that you don't. Okay? Because marriage is one of the most key areas of partnership. The second thing about um, Partnership is diff- um, similarities. We've talked about difference, yeah? Um, um, similarities. I said your partners must have similarities in the place of brand philosophy. For example, you, you, you can't have certain values about your business and your other partner has a different value system. If you have a value culture of transparency, integrity, and... Um, and um, honor, and, and then you have a partner who is skillful, but doesn't have your brand philosophy. He will run down your business. If you have a partner who is wasteful, if you have a par- partner who doesn't know how to save, he's going to run down your business. So when it comes to brand philosophy, you must make sure there is similarity in that area. What are the things that you stand for? What are your values? You must determine that before you make a business. This is my value. This is what I want to achieve. This is what I want to be known for. The things that are important to you must be important to your partner. But the differences can be that he is strong where you're weak. And he is probably weak where you are strong. Hallelujah. Partnership is very important. When Jesus was creating um, a priesthood system that will govern the earth after he leaves, he got 12 guys. 
And the truth is, you may not, or you will not actually get it all correct. Many times. If Jesus, who is the master of knowledge and he knows everything, he had a bad guy in his own partnership. He had a Judas. He had somebody who betrayed him. So many times you, you are prone not to get things right. But you must understand that before you embark on your business and before you get people to partner with you, you must understand that they must have capacity on the level that you do have capacity. Praise the Lord. The third thing I want to say to you is you must know what it costs you to build your dream. You must know what it costs you to build your dream. You know, many of us have big dreams and we haven't sit down to count the cost. Yeah. You must know what it costs you to build your dream. Jesus teaching, he said, If anyone wants to build a tower or he wants to build a mansion, he must sit down and count the cost. To sit down means to have a conference. You analyze this thing. And then you count the cost. Now, counting the cost is not just money. That's not not the only cost. That is involved in building your dream or building your business. One of the major costs is time and the emotional energy required to run your business. Family time, you have, do I have enough time to balance between family and what I want to do? Do I have enough of emotional strength? Do I have enough of will for this? You must count the cost. Can you look at your neighbor and say, count the cost? Maybe the person you're talking to is not so convinced. Tell the other person, say, count the cost. Do you have enough resources to pay the bills? You count the cost. Now, you must also realize that when you're counting the cost, you're not, you're not in the place of being discouraged. Because if you're on one level, levels will change. You understand that? But you must be able to count the cost. What is the cost of this thing that I want to do? When I, when I knew that I had a calling to pastor the church, and I said to myself, this is going to take a lot of time from me. As a medical doctor, I knew that alone is very demanding. And at the same time, you, you blending um, um, practicing as a doctor and Pastoring. That's like you want to kill yourself. But I said to myself that I'm willing to do this. I assess my emotional strength. I assess my time. I assess my willpower. Willpower, I hope you know I don't mean just willpower. I mean what I know or what you know you have in Christ. Paul says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. I assessed all of that and I knew that I had what it takes to do this. People will call upon you when you are ready and when you are not ready. You have to be ready. I knew that pastor in a church will mean that I must have a large heart. I must look at a stranger 
and tell the person, I love you, I mean it, as a pastor. I knew that sometimes people may not even appreciate me as much as I feel I should be, but it shouldn't slow me down. I knew that at some point in time, I would have to be there for almost everybody. I knew that I would be worn out sometimes. I counted the cost. Now, can I tell you something? You see, the the size of your dream and the size of your ministry, let me call it ministry now, because many of you, your business is your ministry. Most of you, your business is your ministry. The size of your business or ministry is proportionate to the size of your heart. Many of you have a small heart, but you want a big ministry. It doesn't work like that. If I give you a big ministry, and you have a small heart, you will reduce the ministry to the size of your heart. Many of you want a big business. You see, many of these people who are doing very well, who are very uh, great businessmen, they have a large heart. And they are actually, even though they are in business for profit, they have a heart to meet the needs of the consumers. So they will go the extra mile sometimes, and it's not all about the money, even though they have to make profit in business, because if you don't make profit in business, it's not business. Yeah, don't call it business if you're not making money. You can call it something else. Call it charity. Hallelujah. So, Some of us don't have the appropriate heart for what you want God to do for you or the business you want. And can I also speak to those of you in leadership and and pastors, if you're a pastor here, you, you see, the size of your ministry is proportionate to the size of your heart. If you don't have a heart for people, if you can barely make it around your family, if the people you love just your family members that then a few best friends you can have a big ministry it's truth that's why I cherish people who have a large heart who have a heart for people those people have the potentials of having a great ministry if you're going to be great you must begin to pray and ask God to give you a large heart have you seen the animal um, the giraffe The giraffe is very tall because it has a long neck. But do you know that? Please, can I have this chair? Thank you. Now, let's say these are the four legs of the giraffe. About the same... um, space that the legs of the giraffe occupies on the floor is about the same space that the turtle occupies on the floor. But the giraffe has a very long neck and of course the head is up there, the eyes. It sees from the top of the trees and the giraffe feeds Based on what it sees. So, if your vision is a small vision, you're going to feed on the level of your vision. 
the turtle will eat from the ground because the level of the vision of the turtle is the ground. But the giraffe will eat from the top of the trees because the level of the vision of the giraffe is the top of the trees. So, if you have a small vision, you are going to eat small on the level of your vision. And I'm saying this because I need to expand the heart of some of you. I see some of you and the way you do church. You have small hearts. Because you are not passionate about people. Amen. I was talking to some of our leaders and, and workers and I said church is serious business. Serious business. Your ministry is serious business. The reason why the heart of a giraffe is so big, the heart of a giraffe is, is almost as wide as this bass drum. Very big. And because the body is down there and the neck of the giraffe is long, it needs a very big and strong heart to pump blood from the body up to the head. So if you're, if, you're, if you're going to have a big ministry, you must have a big heart. But the heart of a turtle is about the size of my thumb. Because the turtle doesn't need that big heart. It eats on small visions. Feeds on small things. How many people here have large hearts? Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. So you must count the cost. Do the cost engineering to see whether you have enough resources to build your dream. And I said to you that the resources are not just merely money. The resources involves your emotions, your psychology, your family time, the stress on your body, your capacity. These are the resources. You must be able to ask, do I have enough resource to build this thing? Have I counted the cost properly? Can I advise you, if you're running a business, don't do credit. <laughs> as much as you can. Should I preach it? Do not do credit as much as you can. Somebody's already asking for his money now. <laughs> Pastor Sass is stretching his hands to someone. I don't know who you're talking to, man. Are you talking to one of my pastors, really? Are you talking to your brothers, really? As much as you can, do not do credit. There's only one condition with which you should do credit. is if the person is credit worthy. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, um, I don't need you to even say amen when I'm talking about credit worthy people because you will not even borrow. You would have the money to pay. The reason why you shouldn't do as much as you can. Not to do credits is because you're going to you, you need a lot of turnover, okay? And you need to build capital to reinvest again in your business. So if you do credit, there, there are many businesses that have run down because of credits. 
He will pay, he will pay. She will pay, she will pay. Never paid. So as much as you can, don't do credits. Hallelujah. If I make it, make it part of your company policy that if you, if you, um, if you make an investment or you, you cut a deal with someone and the person wants to pay you at a particular date or time, if the person doesn't pay you, make it your company policy that you will prosecute. And say it while you're smiling. It's our company policy that when you don't pay, we'll prosecute you. Yeah. One of the most failed places of business is in the church. You know why? Because of sentiments. He will pay, she will pay. So please, as much as you can, don't do credit. The Bible actually teaches that we owe no man nothing but love. And do you know the scripture actually teaches that you shouldn't borrow? So, if, if, like, if someone comes to meet me for money, what I would rather do is to give the money and probably not expect it back. Because this, when you give a brother, don't expect it back. If he pays you back, fine. If he doesn't. So you must understand what you're doing. Your businesses will grow. God will give you wisdom on how to run your business. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, another thing you must know the cost of is your pride. You must know the cost of your pride. Of, of Let me read the way I put it. You, say, you must know the cost to your pride. You must know the cost to your pride. You must know the cost. You know, when you're starting a business from scratch, it's going to take a lot of humility to put some things in place. Am I talking to somebody here? Because if you... You see... When, when we started over, over a year ago, I, I, I would carry the speakers myself, myself and Pastor Shola, we would carry the speakers. There's no pride. With your swag, you have to carry it. Because you are building something from the scratch. I will carry the speakers, I will set the drums, I will um, make sure the hall is ready, I would I would do the job of what probably other people right now do. I would ensure the hall is ready until some of you started coming. There is no pride when you are starting your business. There is no pride. It will cost you your pride. So you have to humble yourself and make sure that you come down. Put your head down and then start your business. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things that I love about the Lebanese people in Canada, we have a lot of them. While growing up, I encountered so many of them. Um, they're not ashamed. Even though they are the owners of, of the mall, they're not ashamed to identify with the cleaners and take the mop from the cleaners and mop the floor themselves. 
You see them in their short niggas, scruffy looking. They look drabby and all. But they will do it because they are trying to build their business. There is no pride in it. So it's going to cost you something. If you need to, if you need to rubbish yourself sometimes, you may have to. And don't feel insulted because you are building from the scratch. Hallelujah. So you must know what it costs you on the level of your pride. Praise the Lord. You must know the cost to your time. If you're going to build something really big, most times you need not less than 18 hours to put your mind and your time into it. If not, I'm sure what you're probably doing is just on the side. But if you want to do it real big time, it's going to take about 18 hours of your life. And you must understand, you must be able to appreciate how does this thing affect me? Am I willing to do this? It's going to take this much time. And if it's taking about 18 hours of your, your day, you must understand that it has become a life for you. Amen. So you must know. You must know what it costs to operate in... The, the, the other point is you must know what it costs to operate in the arena of your business. You know, many of you have a business... And there are other people who have the same business that you have. You must ask yourself, where do the people who do what I do go? Where do the people who do what I do eat? Where do the people who do what I do recreate? Where do they hang out? Because most of the most important deals have been caught in the places of recreation. Not even on tables and chair. Not even in the offices of these great men. So you must find out. If you are into certain kinds of business. Where do these people go? Go where they go. Listen to their conversations. One day. Somehow. By happenstance. They will ask you. What do you do sir? And you must be prepared. You must anticipate those questions. You must be ready to give an answer. And you, you present your brand swagaliciously. Someone comes to meet me and say, Hello, sir. I, I like the way... That's, I told you that's how I met um, Nusa. Where um, I was flying from uh, Benin to... Back to Abuja. And, um, and um, we, we, there was no flight. The flight missed me. I hate to say I missed my flight. <laughs> the flight missed me, yeah? You know? So, you know, I just got caught up in praise and worship somewhere. You know, I was taking praise and worship in Pastor Wale's church. And after I finished, I was drunk in the Holy Spirit and everything in Miracle Center. And then by the time I looked, it was time for my flight. I said to myself, do I carry my apostolic place and command the plane to wait? When I went there, the plane had gone. <laughs> the plane didn't wait for the man of God. So I had to go to Lagos and the, because I needed to be with us. I had to go to Lagos and then come from Lagos back to Abuja and I met the service. So on, on our way, um, while I was born to Lagos, I met um, Nosa. I'm sure you know Nosa. I go, always pray for you. A very good friend of mine. And he looked at me. He said, sorry, sir. Um, Nusai is a very great guy. He's a great guy. 
you know, he was well dressed, looking very good. And then, of course, I was well dressed. And <laughs> so, do you know what happened that day? When I no, not not that day, but the trip before, the trip before from uh, Abuja to Benin. I walked into the airport and I I got to the lounge where you stay and wait for your flight to board. I I was all dressed up because I was heading for a program. And you know what I said to myself? I'm going to do something crazy. I took out my big Bible. So I held my bag and I held my big that now Thompson chain reference. <laughs> I held it and I walked straight through everybody. Confidently, I was advertising Jesus. I wasn't ashamed of it. Yes. <laughs> Apostle. <laughs> you know. The first time I saw Principality Joshua, it took me a while to believe he was Nigerian. (laughs) Amen. I thought he was from Kenya or somewhere. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) So I took my big Bible and I walked straight through people. And I'm sure in the minds of people, they must be wondering who is this young guy? Who is holding a big Bible unashamed? I'm a pastor. It's what I do. I'm a pastor. <laughs> so, um, Nosa met me that day and he said to me, he said, Hello, sir, how are you? I said, I'm good. How are you, sir? I said, it's fine. Um, he asked me, he, says, um, he said, What do you do? Um, um, he thought I was a public speaker. So, I tried to package what I do because I didn't know who he was. So um, I'm, I'm a, um, I speak to people publicly. On um, I'm a spiritual entrepreneur. <laughs> you know, Amen. Yeah, I learned it. I learned it. You must package yourself. Must package yourself. You know. Hallelujah. Sometimes you pipe low, sometimes you package yourself. This is who I am. And he says, Wow. Then at the end of the day, I landed when I could feel his uh, fluency in the things of the Spirit. I said, I'm a pastor. I said, What? You're too young to be a pastor. I'm like, Well, Jesus is about my age. Is it true? Amen. So, that's, that's the way we connected. And, you see, how did I get here? <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, what? My hunger. There's nothing as bad as when the preacher is confused. There's nothing as bad as it. Anyway, bottom line, what I was saying is that you must be able to talk about who you are, what you do in the arena of your business. They would ask you one day what you do, you must have a ready answer. If 
if the people who do what you do play golf, join the golf club. Join the golf club. One day the conversation will come. After walking to go get the ball, they would ask you, what do you do? Many great deals have been caught around people who do the same things in a different arena from their business space. If you're a businessman and you do business on global levels, you might want to save your miles. Save your miles and make sure when you're traveling, you do it first class. Because the conversation on the first class cabin um, gives you an automatic trust to do some level of business. So you must understand this covenant sense. You must understand it. Amen. I'm not a businessman, even though I do business spiritually. Praise the Lord. The fourth thing I want to say to you is, you have to know the power of great decisions. You have to know the power of great decisions. Do you know one decision you make about your business is what your business needs? One. I was talking to our workers the other day and I said to them that every great ministry would move from level to level based on the decisions per time. Many times it's one decision that takes you to the next level. One. I'm not talking about everyday decisions. Great decisions. You must surround yourself with people who can give you great counsel. Because the greatness of a counsel um, is not beyond um, the source of the information of that counsel. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you must investigate the counsels that you receive because making great decisions is critical in raising your business. Very critical. When you have um, a, a um, 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 you're, you're discussing with your partners, for example, and, both, and you guys are talking about um, things to do and how to move your business from one level to the other level, you must ensure that there is the capacity for decision-making that can be assessed on a level of impact and previous delivery. Let me give you an example. If somebody gives me counsel two, three times, and every time he gave me counsel, I have been landed into trouble. I'll be careful receiving counsel from him. I may not tell you that your counsel didn't help me. When you give the counsel, I'll smile and say, oh, praise God, thank you so much. Amen. I'll receive it in Jesus' name, but I'm not going to do what you said. So you must be careful about your decision making. And friends, many of you will hire staff. You would hire people. That's a prophecy. You're going to put people on staff. You will. You're going to do that. Your business will grow to the point where you pay people. You will pay hundreds of people to run your economy for yourself. Hallelujah. Now, but can I tell you something? Um, if you have to make all the decisions for your staff, then you're wrongly staffed. If every single decision that someone you employed is supposed to make, and you're making it for the person, then you're wrongly staffed. You're wrongly staffed. The reason why 
your wealthier salaries because you are able to make decisions on levels that I would make decisions. Because at some point as your business is growing, you are meant to come up to levels where you are freed from some things that you don't need to deal with anymore. Right now, I don't bother myself about some things. Pastor Ideal makes the decisions. Pastor Shalom makes the decisions. Pastor Paul makes the decisions. Osas makes the decisions. Pastor Chibuzov makes the decisions. Frank makes the decisions. There are people who are competent in their various fields who now make the decisions. And then I begin to deal with executive issues. So when you are raising your business, you must ensure that you are being freed. It's, it's a bad place to be in. Okay, let me put it this way. It's not a bad place to be in when you have to make all the decisions. But it's a bad place to stay. Because your business is going to grow. So, for example, I as pastor, and some of you who are in the leadership, or your pastors, your leaders, I am still making decisions for you. Then it's a sorry case. You are meant to make the decisions at the level of competence to which I would have done it. If I was the one making the decisions. Amen. So I'm giving you um, tips on which you must run your business. It's going to bring profit for you. You are in this for profit. Okay? You're going to make money. And you're going to make money on the economy of God. I told you that the economy of God is not like the economy of man. The economy of God is more than billions, quadrillions, there's more. All those things are little tiny zeros compared to the economy of God. The economy of God is, is infinitum. It's big, it's huge. Hallelujah. God wants you to have big time money. There's someone I work for in Abuja here. I consult for him as a medical doctor, as a doctor. I do very simple, basic things for him. The way this man brings out thousands of dollars and thousands of pounds. Sometimes he gives me um, per day. The way he does that, I wonder. And I say to myself, ha, he's a human being. I'm a human being. <laughs> when did it happen for him? Do you understand? He is, he is blessed. I am blessed. God said, be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish. Do you know the seed you have is supposed to fill the earth? Your seed. Your seed. I didn't say your salary. I said your seed is meant to replenish the earth. What will come out of you is meant to replenish the earth. See, God will give you ideas. God will, God will place in your spirit witty inventions. That will proliferate the earth. He will place in your spirit things that people will see and marvel. They will demand for your value. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Are you sensitive? Pray in the Holy Spirit for 10 seconds. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
God will give you ideas. And, and what will come out of you is what nations will look for. See, the, the economy that you have is a powerful economy. Great economies have been built from the word of God. And you are a great economy. You might be potential right now, but the truth is when you are unfolded in time, people will see you and they will wonder how it happened. You're a powerful economy. You have millions of dollars inside of you. It's working for you. Hallelujah. God wants you to have big time money. But you must be able to manage. You must be able to understand it. You must, you must be, some of my facilitators will go on and teach you on Wednesday um, greater things on how to manage, you know. I, I, I'm not so skilled on the details of economy and all that, but I have people in the house, amen, who will teach us and who will open our eyes to these things. But the truth is, TSP, I don't want you to do business on local scales. I want you to do business on global scales. Do you know shawarma is a, is a local food? But it's been sold on international premises. Shawarma is Lebanese. Amala can be sold and, 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 and brought value on on different fronts in the world or in the globe. But somebody needs to think about it. And then how, how are we going to export this thing? How are we going to make this thing work? How are we going to package this thing? This is, but there is something on the inside of you. I'm speaking to that seed inside of you today. I'm speaking to that child unborn inside of you. I'm speaking to that idea inside of you. I don't know if the next Bill Gates is here. I don't know if the next Dan- Dangote may be here. Somebody say, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. You're going to be great in life. You would do well. You would succeed in life. As a singer, as a dancer, as an artist, as a businessman, as an entrepreneur, you will succeed. You will grow. Your business will move to the infinitum. In the name of Jesus. God is going to increase and enlarge your territory. God will expand your space. There are great business tycoons who are looking at me now. Say, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So God wants you to prosper. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and say, Lord, I thank you for what you've given me. I'm grateful to you for all that you have blessed me with. I am powerfully endowed. Powerfully. God looked at you and said, all that he created is good. All that he made is good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Many of you are talented. But you see, talent is not enough. Talent is not enough. The reason why Nigeria is a consumer nation is because we don't have human capital. Do you know what they say? They say, um, a hundred and seventy million Nigerians do not equate 10 million Britons in terms of human capacity and capital. So, what you need to do is, I was having a conversation with Pastor Ideal, and I asked him, 
And we were just sharing together. I said, who is a professional? Who is a professional? Let's redefine who professionals are. A professional does not mean you read a professional course. You could read a professional course and be a doctor and you're not a professional. A professional is the one who has skill, competence and the attitude for the job. You must have the right attitude for the job. You can be a good medical doctor if you don't have the right attitude as a doctor. You're not a professional. So a professional is one who has brushed his natural talents with skill, education. And then he has imbibed the right attitude. So as a carpenter, you can be a professional. As a hairstylist, you can be a professional. Because you are doing it on a scale that is different. Excellence. As a professional. So I want to encourage you, when you are building your business, think about all these things that I'm showing with you. And know that there is, you, you are, you should not be a disappointment on the level of the endowment God has placed on you. See my son, here, Miracle, he's a fantastic footballer. And we're, we're trying to market him. Because people in Europe make millions of naira per week just being able to kick a ball. That's their natural skill. But there was marketing in the place. There was that capacity to market themselves. And then come into the, into the marketplace of soccer. And they found their context and they're doing well. God doesn't want you to live by your salary. Your salary is too small to sustain you. You can't even give another person based on how much you are paid. Is it not true? You, if, if I say come and sow seed, some of you cannot because the money is already finished. After two weeks, two days, it's gone. That's not how we are meant to live. God wants you to be able to give thousands of dollars at will, whenever, however, because you have capacity for it. I prophesy upon your business that your business will grow. Your business will be on the global scale. I'm not hearing your amen. Your business will grow on the global scale and global fronts in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Clap your hands. Give it. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.